This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And Pastor Michael, now today we are going to be back to our normal routine where I'm going to throw the question at you and you're going to try to answer the question. And I know, as you always do, you do a great job of answering this question. So here is our question for today. What is the biblical stance on how Christians should treat refugees? So rarely have I seen so much lack of nuanced thinking by Christians oh than I have on this issue. Uh, so I'm going to answer this. Maybe I'm going to answer this in a couple different ways. I'm going to give a few different answers because how you answer this depends on where you're sitting. Okay. Uh, what do I do as a Christian? Mm-hmm. What do I do as a government official? What do I do as a refugee? Uh, you you answer these questions differently. So let's just get like a couple of global. I think another piece is, you know, what what is meant by a refugee? Yeah, I think Are we re- talking about legal aliens and illegal no, 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 aliens? No, those aren't refugees. So a refugee is a displaced person who has been kicked out of their home and they need mm-hmm. to find a new home. But what I'm so, saying is in society and in the social media, those two terms are being lumped together as if they are the same from what I'm seeing. I think there is a worldview um, from the Democratic Party that fosters the same conclusion on both of them, yes. which is no limits to aliens and no limits to refugees. Now, not everybody's saying that. It's a hyperbole, but like mm-hmm. there, there would effectively be less limits um, from a Democratic perspective than a, re- a Republican perspective. The point being, though, that like – so the question on illegal aliens, I do think people understand that my Mexican friend who came here illegally is different than the African – like, for example, in our church, yes. who have had to leave their country to save their lives exactly. and are actually now living in America and with the are... permission of the American government. Right. So we're just going to talk about refugees. We're not talking about immigrants. We're talking about refugees. Correct. Let's just talk big picture. It's roughly 60 million people are right now in the refugee process. Again, that number is general. Who knows the exact specific number? Because it's very hard to put your your head around. It doesn't matter what government you're in. doesn't matter. It's, it's a huge worldwide issue, and when millions of people leave a country or hundreds of thousands leave a country, it's hard to quantify those numbers. Right. So let's just say there's 60 million people. Here's a couple things that we do know. If the United States opened up our borders to all refugees, we would uh, legitimately tank the United States of America. Sure. Financially, we could not support it, right? So it's like uh, – let's say in my home, I'm a Christian, right? And, uh, and there is a, a kid who needs a home. I'll take him in, but if I take home – 30 or 40 kids, I can't financially support right. how, that. How are you going to support all those It'll children. tank me. So what Obama and Bush before him and every president has done is they put limitations on the numbers, on the on the quantity of refugees that we will take in. Right. And um, I think Obama's numbers uh, fluctuated between 50,000 and 100,000 per year, which is great. Um, now, does that even make a dent in the global refugee crisis? No, which no, is why you're hoping. there's way more than that. Right. You're hoping that countries around the world will all do that and then collectively will – Will we make a dent? Collectively, we might be able to make a large dent, you know. But in terms of the United States of America, if I'm the government and my job is to protect the people and support the Constitution, um, I cannot permit large numbers of refugees to come into America because um, it will actually legitimately tank this nation. So what good is America if we are nice at one sense and say, hey, Mm -hmm. 40 million people come to our country and then America ceases to function as a country? 
because we can't sustain them. So there's a little bit of wisdom that has to be used if you're thinking in terms of, of the government, okay? Even if I am a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm the president of the United States, I will put a limit on how many refugees can come into America because my job, my responsibility before God is to protect this nation. Right. Just as I'm not going to have 40 immigrant children or refugee children or adopted kids come into my home because my home literally – it would be illegal yes. for me to have that many people living in my home, let alone I financially couldn't support them. So that's that's like one caveat. A second caveat comes from the Christian perspective. And what's here's what's interesting. We were sitting at a, our preaching prep yesterday and – the issue of refugees came up because in the text in Hebrews 11, people were being kicked out of their homes and they were functionally refugees, many right. of them. And they were because of their faith in Jesus. Because of Jesus, they had to leave their lands, etc. Sure. And it was interesting because in the discussion, um, we we were treating them, we were thinking about them as Christians. We were thinking about them as brothers and sisters and our compassion was like so high for them. And as a Christian, I wanted to do every single thing I could for my Christian brothers and sisters. Like there's this thing inside of me that was like, what can I do? And uh, it was interesting because in the conversation, um, we identified – before we identified as Americans, we we identified as Christians with each one of them. There was something that bound us together with them. And it's because that connection with our fellow brothers and sisters as part of the family of God yep. runs deeper than our national heritage. Absolutely. And what people don't understand is is that if I am from the Middle East and all these Middle Eastern refugees are coming over to America, my my loyalty, my my what binds me to them is not America. In fact, right. my greatest loyalty is honestly for many people, it's their geography, right? And so they have a loyalty to these people that um, supersedes their loyalty to America. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're bad people. We all do the same things. I am more loyal to Christians than I am to America, right? Yes. Uh, that's be. because that is my ultimate loyalty. So Christians can't look at these people from the Middle East and say, I can't believe your loyalty isn't first and foremost to America. Now, if I'm the government, I want to make sure that the people I bring in transfer their loyalties. But let's mm-hmm. be straight. You're not going to get an Iraqi um, to transfer their loyalty to America over their Iraqi brothers and sisters. There's always going to be this loyalty mm-hmm. there. And so I would expect that there are going to be American refugees, immigrants, etc., who have loyalties to people from these countries and these regions. And I honestly, I expect that their loyalties are going to be greater than they are to America. And they're mm-hmm. going to fight for these yep. people more than they fight for America because that is human nature. Is it right or good? I, that's, I'm not even making a moral judgment. I'm just saying it is. Sure. So when we see people in America who are refugees and immigrants who oppose um, – these sanctions by by the way, Obama and Bush made them too. So every president in the twentieth right. century has made these. Right, because they understand that America cannot take more than Correct. certain amounts of numbers. Point being though, uh, we shouldn't be surprised when they protest. And it's fine that they protest and they're free to protest. That's that's part one of the great things about America is say what you think and and if you disagree, let us know. And so it's not a surprise to me that many, many people are protesting. And and honestly, it is gut wrenching to yeah. know just to know. That it's plausible uh, that you – let's talk about illegal immigrants for one moment. That it's plausible. There, there's two people in our church right now. If they get sent home, they will die. Yeah, It's just that simple. And I'm looking at these two people, this man and this woman, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If the government – if if the government wanted to – it required them to go home go back because home. they had some error on their visa, the green card, whatever. I don't know. I could understand a world where I'd hide them. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? I could see that happening because my loyalty is to my brother and sister in Christ over my government, mm-hmm. right? Now, I'm not saying I would. Or I'm just saying I could see that world, you know? Right. And we have to understand that there are emotional ties for a lot of these people that go deeper than their loyalty to America. And every Christian should be able to empathize with that because we do the same thing. Right. We do it with each other. I get I get it. So uh, on that level, uh, a huge amount of empathy, when you see all has to happen to people in America who these are their brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. These are their family yes. members. These are their countrymen, right? Yeah. And we know as Americans, the loyalty that we have to another American uh, is profound, yeah. especially when you're overseas and in a foreign land. Right. You see an American and you're like, ha, 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 I don't care if I like you. I don't care if our values are the same. You're an American. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to stick with you. So globally, I think there is a large amount of empathy that needs to happen on this subject. Um, nationally, our government has to make decisions. But now let me just crystal clear speak as a Christian. The Christian cannot expect the government to function as the church. Right. They have two different roles. They have two different roles. Let me give you a super clear example. In Romans, it talks about how the government is given the sword. Mm -hmm. The sword is a weapon of warfare. It is given warfare. It is given permission by God to execute with war to defend and protect itself. That is a right given to it by God. Okay? Mm -hmm. Good. That's correct. The church does not have the sword. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the word of God. (laughs) Yes. We have a very different sword, right? That's right. And so God has given permission to government to do things that the church is not allowed to do. And the church has to live within the parameters that God has given the government. And so uh, what the church needs to do is is be completely pro-life. I'm pro-life of the immigrants, of old people who are being threatened under euthanasia laws in Europe and inevitably in America. I am pro-life when it comes to the unborn child. I am pro-life all the way through. Um, and at the same time, we we have to figure out um, how can we be pro-life? And for example, just because I'm pro-life does not mean every kid who needs adoption needs to live in my home. That's right. What I want to do is foster even a global community of adoption that begins mm-hmm. to take care of some of this sure. stuff or a global community for refugees or a global community for immigrants that is larger than just one nation taking in everybody because we just simply can't do it. Um, is it fair? No, this world is filled with sin and nothing is quite fair. So as a Christian, I need to give the government permission to do what the government has been sanctioned by God to do. But I also need to understand that my role is not to tank the United States of America. My role is to um, be faithful to promote biblical principles. But it's not the – it's not America's job to execute the church's responsibility on refugees and aliens and strangers. That's correct. So here's where the church, I think, by and large, is just – massively hypocritical, right? We want the government to do our job. Rather than that, how about church? Why don't you do this? Why don't you tell the government, we'll take them in. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. subsidize Why them. not the church do something? We'll finance them. And that's where I think the hypocrisy is like the, the Christians are like, oh, the government, you need to take everybody in. You need to take as many people as you can. Well, the government's like, well, we're fronting the bill and mm-hmm. we're already $19 trillion in debt. Like there's only so much this organization, this institution, this democracy can handle. And uh, so big picture, I would say know the government's job. Be OK with it. It's God has given the government a different job. Um, always be pro-life no matter where it's at. Understand that America is not the answer to every single refugee's issue. Right. It will be the answer to some, but it cannot be the answer to all. Um, and 
also, you, if the Christian cannot make that distinction between the government and the church, then the Christian will always say, this is an unchristian nation if we're not taking in refugees. No, um, that is not the government's job. The government is not a Christian institution uh, equal with the church. The right. church, on the other hand, the church should be um, pro-refugees, which Village Church is. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a number of them at Village Church. We sure do. Pro-refugees and willing to do anything we possibly can for the refugees that God brings into our midst. And we should have an open-door policy that says if there's more coming, send them to us. Yeah, let and us if see we if we to, can help. If we need to change our budget and our finances to take care of the least and the refugee and the stranger and the alien – uh, I don't mean illegally, I mean the biblical. <laughs> yes. uh, if we need to be that that kind of church that changes how we think of finances in light of, we'll say, an evolving international context, well, then let the church do it. And maybe America could take in more refugees if the church rose up and actually put their money where their mouth was. Right. And actually stepped up and, and did their part. Yeah. So I think the church should stop yelling at the government for not doing their part. The church should start doing their part. Our biggest concern should not be with the limitations the American government puts on uh, refugees. I think our biggest concern should be whether or not the church is asking the American government if we can support and provide for a number of these refugees. Right. Years ago, I was training mechanics and there was one particular store that was uh, that I trained for that had a very large population of Middle Eastern mechanics and did a training class. This guy came up to me after one of the breaks and he came to me and he said, hey, I want to tell you the story. He says, if the United States wouldn't have taken in my family, I would be dead. If people know the history of the late 70s, uh, Iran and Iraq were at war with one another. And what what both countries were doing, they were taking Christians and putting them out in the front line mm. as the ones that were going to die first. Yep. And this mechanic told me, he says, my family knew this was coming. We tried our best uh, to uh, request uh, refugee status here in the U.S. And we had an uncle that lived here in the U.S., and we petitioned, we went through the legal uh, steps that we should have taken. And our uncle said, I will take my brother and his children in. We were one of the few Christians in Iraq. We knew that if we did not get out soon, that myself and my brothers, we would be put on the front line and we didn't end up you know, being killed uh, because of Saddam and, and uh, the Iran-Iraq war. And this guy with tears in his eyes said, it was because we came to this country that we're alive. And it's because the church that we're involved in right now that took us in. And yes, my uncle took us in, but the church embraced us as true refugees that needed a home and needed protection, not because we were Iraqis, but because we were Christians and they knew what was going to happen to us if we stayed in that country. He appreciates uh, the U.S. taking him and his family and his refugees. But he really appreciated how he was. He and his family were embraced by the church. Very similar to the stories that you just shared about some of the those in our own church at Village Church that we have done the same thing with. So it does happen, and it happens when it happens like that. We say, yay, church, that's yeah. the way it should be. Yep, absolutely. And making those distinctions between church, government, honoring the role and responsibility of each. I think what's interesting is when you read the Old Testament text on refugees, it says don't oppress the foreigner. Um, and and what, it's just such a different cultural climate, right? So the foreigner does not have to – 
typically overcome a wall to get into your country. Right. They're there. And you're not talking about hundreds of thousands or millions of them all at once. Um, you're talking about a family. Yeah. You're talking about two families. You're talking about a, maybe a small tribe of 40 or 50 people. Totally measurably differently than than – 60 million yes. uh, in a global warfare context. These are just different. And then it says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, don't mistreat them. Like they're already there. So if there's a foreigner in the U.S., we, we need to do everything we can. Um, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. Right. The context of all of this is these foreigners are already in their midst. There's a handful of them. They're coming in one family or two or three at a time. Uh, it's just a completely, completely different context that I think sometimes Christians just lump the two together. Mm-hmm. One family of five or six or seven coming into a community of 100,000 is different than 60 million people coming into a community of 300 million. Yeah. Like it's just a categorically different unsustainable. and unsustainable approach. And that's where I'm like, okay, unless the very compassionate, empathetic person hears you or I is saying, you don't care about foreigners. I do. Absolutely we do. But like what good is me bringing them in to my home if they tank my home? Like if I can't fundamentally support them, I, their actual new – context is worse than their former. Right. And that's what we need to make sure we do. And this is why I love Psalm 146.9. The Lord watches over the foreigner. Mm. There is a sense where I cannot adopt every kid in America, but I can adopt one. Yeah. And I cannot be responsible for every single kid, but I can't pray that the Lord would watch over them and he would start to move in hearts of people so that we can get to a point where all kids who need to be adopted are. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I can do my part for the one or for the two, and then I have to rest that the Lord is going to be moving his people. And maybe the Lord will call me to especially focus on raising up the church for refugees or adoption or whatever it is. And if he does that, then awesome. But mm-hmm. I need to know that I need to raise up the church. It's not the American government's job um, to make sure every refugee in the country is taken care of. It's their job to sustain the United States of America because that's the job God gave them. Right. Anyways, we should be done. Well, come back next time, listeners, when Michael is going to ask me a question about gun control. What, what does, does God, God think, think of, of it? Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> How as Christians should we engage the discussion? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it.